This morning's reading is taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, And appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Well, good morning. We meet this morning to give thanks to God for his provision of this building through the generosity of the people here at BRBC, the generosity of other churches and organizations around our country, and indeed people abroad as well. And for those of us who are part of the journey, I suspect it already feels like a distant memory. It's hard to believe we've been here for six years in this particular building. So much has happened in that time. And I'm very conscious that this morning there are a number of you here who have only joined us in the time that we've been in this building, so you won't know a great deal about the journey that we traveled to get here. So I hope this brief presentation this morning will provide an opportunity of reflection for those of us who were here during that time, a measure of understanding and context about some of the recent history of our church for those who are new to us. And for all of us, a sense of thanksgiving to God for his grace and faithfulness and provision for us as a congregation here at BRBC. I'll take you through the early part of the rebuilding project and Julie will bring us up to date with how we reached the point where we are today. Our task is to condense nine and a half years into 15 minutes, so fasten your seatbelts. And so it was 15 years ago, back in March 1999, when our congregation at BRBC first commissioned a small project team to begin to explore the possibility of redeveloping our rather aging church buildings. And this is how BRBC looked back in those days, with the very traditional red brick building uh, built in the early 1920s, looking out onto Brighton Road. Right behind it was an old hall, which was built in the late 1800s. And then uh, in the 1960s, 70s, uh, we built the the new hall uh, at the very rear of the building. 
so if you were visiting our church at that time, you would have entered through that window there. You'd have been seated facing this wall. The pulpit would have been virtually right where the balcony is. All the musicians in the music group would have been over in that side of the church, a very, very different uh, building than we have today. And so our journey commenced. Now we recognized at the time it wasn't just about buildings. There was no point in constructing a new building just for the sake of doing it or because the old buildings were in a poor state of repair. So we set out to consider what it was that we wanted our church to be or what, we wanted, what God wanted our church to be and how we would effectively share his love in the community round about us and in the world beyond. And so the Resource Church vision was developed which shaped and guided both our church life through that period and also the plans for the new building with spiritual development and growth being the means which we would enable our congregation to develop their faith and grow in their relationship with God and to become mature in that faith. Local social need reaching out into our community through all the various different groups and organizations that we run here and also in partnership with other bodies around the town to meet needs and build relationships with that community. Youth, caring, nurturing, developing our children and young people throughout the life of our church. Pastoral care, providing effective care for all in our fellowship, irrespective of age or background. And finally, the building project, which would be the enabler in order to continue that work effectively. And this is the project team that worked behind the scenes to bring the construction to fruition over its nine and a half year period. My task, and it was a great privilege to, to lead and facilitate the team. Chris Bird, our church secretary, was responsible for much of the administration and correspondence that was required. Martin Powell guided our vision and strategy. Gareth Richardson brought tremendous project and process management skills and expertise. David Wilson was our former church treasurer and he set out the financial plan for the whole project. And not pictured here is Ian Jepps. I couldn't get Ian's picture because he's in Nepal. But Ian was our architectural expert. And he was uh, instrumentally involved in shaping the original design and technical specifications for the proposed building. Now, as time and circumstances changed, so the team did too. Julie joined us to bring much-needed expertise in the area of communication, both internally and with many external stakeholders, as well as a keen eye on the interior design and fitting out of the building. David Wilson stepped down from the team due to illness, and Adrian joined us to take over the critical financial planning role. And when Ian also decided to step down, we were delighted to welcome Eric, who took on the vital role of overseeing all of the technical design and construction of the building, particularly handling a few troublesome issues with our builders on the way. And in fact, out of all of us, frankly, Eric is actually still involved today because he's the one who, who helps troubleshoot a number of the, the little issues and things that creep up with the building as we move forward. And of course, David Richardson, who was our senior minister for 25 years, and it was his vision who kicked off the whole project, and he became a regular participant at our team meetings, providing much wisdom and guidance as the project picked up speed. Now, for those of us who were here during that time, we look on that slide with some measure of sadness. Martin and Gareth have moved away from Horsham, but we particularly remember David Wilson, David Richardson, and Chris Bird, who died during the tenure of the project and sadly didn't live to see the vision of the building fulfilled. And we remember them and their contribution to the life and work of our church with much love and thanksgiving today. 
And also not pictured there, but something I think it's important to pay tribute to this morning is Andy Leach. Because in the six months between David's death, Chris's death, and moving into this building, Andy picked up a huge amount of the administrative work as church secretary. And uh, Andy, we thank you for all that you did during that time to help facilitate so much of the life and work of our church during a particularly difficult period. So this was a multidisciplinary team. Each person brought very different professional skills and expertise from different roles and different business sectors, and each contributing an immeasurable amount of time and effort to the completion of the project. And so we give thanks to God for his provision of the right blend of skills at exactly the right time in order for the project to be completed. And of course, it wasn't just our team internally. There were other people who helped us along the way, professionals, Fuller's Fine Furniture, who handcrafted the, the, uh, the pulpit furniture, Jane Campbell, who designed the lovely window here, Savile Jones and Scott Brownrigg, the two architectural agencies who worked alongside us, Alpha Furnishings, who provided the chairs that you're sitting on this morning, and of course, Farnrise, our builders. And of course, we couldn't stay here while the building was going on. We had to move, and uh, God provided the Royal British Legion Hall uh, as our temporary home for 18 months. And for those of us who are here at that time, you will remember it was quite a tight squeeze, and we had to be very creative and innovative about the way we managed church life. We were the only church in town with its own bar, and uh, baptismal services required a very much more... uh, uh, innovative approach, as you can see from the picture on the, uh, the, bottom, uh, the bottom right there. Oops, I've just gone the wrong way. Uh, with uh, having to bring in a pool to do baptismal services. But it was a tremendous time for our church. It was a tremendous time of, of fellowship as our church. And, and we thrived during that period uh, when we were in that very tight uh, building, that's for sure. And so with, uh, with planning consent received and with funds in place, we left here Uh, the site here in December 2006 and in January 2007 uh, we actually started demolition of the old buildings and you can see there the very first uh, aspects of that demolition and uh, with a picture in the bottom right here and we can see that that excavator is sitting roughly round about there uh, if you want to put it in context of where we are today. By February, we had pretty much completed the demolition. We retrieved the rose window, which had been on the very front of the church and now sits in the the roof of the chapel. We found a well, which we never knew existed. And by March and April, we were starting to get the foundations in place and the steelwork was beginning to get in place for the roof structure. And by May and June, the whole building was just beginning to, to take some shape at ground level. So the baptistry, which is located just over here, and uh, the rear wall, which is sitting right behind us uh, here, and the, uh, the, the passageway outside. But July and, by July and August, uh, the roof was on, and you can see the, uh, the internal sanctuary where we are here beginning to take some shape. And then by the end of 2007, the building was wind and watertight. Uh, and you can see in the pictures there, we've got the, uh, the upstairs meeting room on the top left picture, the main staircase, bottom left and then the, uh, the downstairs hall where we'll be meeting for tea and coffee after the service uh, in its uh, stages of construction there. So I'll leave it there and I'll hand over to Julie to take you through the rest of the journey. So as Ken said, by the end of 2007, we had a watertight building and then we had to make it our home. By January and February... We could actually see the shell. 
the architectural plans were coming to life and we could see and look forward to some very exciting spaces for our use. The chapel intended for quiet prayer and reflection. We can see this taking shape. And behind the scenes, we'd started to think about all of the detailed elements of furnishing the building. Despite Ken's kind words, I've got no interior design qualifications, but I learned a lot along the way and had lots of great advice. I joined the project team in 2001, um, two years after it started, and very fortunately for me, I had a baby halfway through, well, two years in, but what that meant was after a two-month maternity leave, the project team meetings switched to our home. And so they continued there throughout the project. They often stretched past the two hours allocated. And often we had refreshments and we had a great deal of fun. And I said to Tim yesterday, being part of that team was a huge privilege for me. Well, having said that, it was hard work, let me be honest. Emails flooded into inboxes on a daily basis and managing a team of 40 people, as I did then, I had to then juggle probably at least five emails a day from the building project, as did all of us. But no one ever complained. We got on planning the interior fit. We had visits to see different coloured fabrics for chairs. We met with the lady on the um, stained glass window and we even started to take lessons in the different lights and how they would cast shadows or not in the building and this was all considered as we thought about the potential of each room but we didn't want to say out with the old and in with the new we had too much respect for everyone for that after a great deal of restoration we managed to reinstall the original stained glass window into the chapel and many people have commented on how wonderful it is to have that there. After many long and hard discussions on what was quite right for the stained glass window you now see, we decided to declare that Jesus is indeed the light of the world and this is the beacon that we hope draws people to our church it's also the window that we can look at and gain inspiration for from ourselves. The building was nearing completion, and one of the jobs that we did for the first use of this building as a project team was to come down here with buckets and cloths and clean this church to make sure it was right for the first use so you can see that we were hands-on. Yes, we had to talk about lots of difficult things, but we also rolled our sleeves up with soap and water. And you know it was all worthwhile. The first Sunday in our new home in July 2008 is imprinted on many of our memories. Howard led the service, and there was this huge sense of relief to be back here, home, on our site, in Brighton Road. Huge excitement and positivity, and as Ken has described, an often difficult and tough journey. 
we got there. We had our brand new resource to enable the outreach we had envisaged to further progress into the community. But many of you as homeowners know this comes at a cost. As a a community, we partook in three gift days in 2004, 2005, and then finally in 2011 to allow those who had not been there from the start to support the church with pledges. We also received tremendous support from the Baptist Union. We all know that churches last for generations. Churches are established and thrived through the efforts of many generations and members, both past and present. And therefore, it's right and fitting that families and groups were able to provide key features and important furnishings in this suite of buildings that we've just formed a human chain through to remember those people integral to our community. This is a photograph of David Coffey, who I had the privilege of working with to come down to open our service in the November of 2008. Dedicating the church and standing amongst the legacy gifts made by the Bird, Richardson and Wilson families of all the platform furniture. And this communion table, given by sacrificial giving from the ladies of Pleasant Monday Afternoon, who insisted that I had to make sure that the table was big enough for everything needed for communion to fit on. You'll recall in the old church, we used to have little tables around the side. That's just an anecdote of the generosity that we've had. And then the stained glass window was eventually funded with a legacy in memory of Jack Funnell. In the chapel, we're deeply grateful for the furniture donated by the Skip and Hepplethwaite families. And we've retained the stained glass from the Girls' Brigade and Boys' Brigade, again funded by a second donation from the PMA ladies. I'm sure you will agree, all of this adds to providing a haven of peace in the chapel, a calm space for true reflection and worship, and each element contributes to that. Thank you to everyone who've made the legacy gifts possible. And so as we conclude, if like me, you're struck by the amazing provision that God has given through what Ken and I have said, let me just astonish you further by just a few facts and figures. Ken did say we were all from the world of business. In the last 13 years, we have raised a phenomenal £3.1 million. 67% of that, just over £2 million, has been given by members of this community, past and present. Forgive my emotion, but that's phenomenal, that God has prompted individuals to give that much sacrificially. 230 families or family giving units, that might be individuals, that might be couples, that might be whole families, gave that amount of money. When we started the project, 
Advisors told us that this would be the pattern and we didn't believe it could happen. We've been proven wrong, praise the Lord. We had donations from 44 of the churches and we had many helpers in other areas. Look at this and you know which bits you did. Taxi services to the airport, endless rounds of jam making, sponsored bike rides, barn dances. We had calendars produced with some amazing photographs that David took. The sale of those helped. We had photographs framed and sold of the old building and too many events to mention. But it's true to say it was teamwork with everyone involved. And so to the future. We've now got our resource. Amazingly, 277 church members, many changed. 65 members of the Sunday Club, our future. We're equipped for outreach, evangelism, and mission. And it struck me very poignantly that as Tim and Jack have been talking to us as life on the front line of late, that this is our base for our front line. And what we've been able to do, and this is just some pictures of the many activities that take place here, is we've actually prepared ourselves for the front line three years earlier than was planned. Our business plan was always to complete paying off the loan and the finances on the church by 2017. Praise God, we've done it in 2014. Thank you. Following that wonderful story, I think it's only right that we give thanks to God. So let's pray together. Father, as we have listened to the story of how this building was provided for our use, we realise that we have much to be thankful for, and we give you thanks. We give thanks for those people in the 19th century who were led and inspired to establish a Baptist church in Horsham, and for all those who carried on the work of the church since its inception and who have laid such a strong foundation for all our activities here today. Father, we give thanks for those who sacrificially gave in order to acquire the site and to build those previous buildings that we've heard about. Many of us worshipped in there for many years and hold a range of memories for so many of us. Father, we thank you for inspiring the members of our church with the idea of replacing those buildings with new buildings as part of a vision for the work of this church. We give thanks for the work of all those people who gave their times and skills over many years to formulate plans and for bringing them to fruition. And we thank you for sustaining us at those times when we were unsure of the direction we should take. Father, we give thanks for all those people who gave so generously to finance these buildings and for the sacrifices which were made by so many people. We're grateful for those who left legacies, 
for the Baptist Union Loan Fund and for those churches and organisations who gave us donations. We thank you for all those people who gave their time and talents to raise funds. We recognise that many people gave willingly to enable the vision for this place to be fulfilled and we give you thanks. Father, we pray that you'll bless our church family. Be with our ministers, Tim and Jack, our deacons and other leaders, and those who worship here and who attend activities here. Help us to be good stewards of the buildings and the other resources which have been provided so that your work will continue to grow and that your name will continue to be proclaimed in this place. Amen. Be still just for a moment. Recognise that we are in the presence of the living God. This place is holy ground. We meet in a building dedicated and set aside for the worship and service of God. God is here. We also meet in a building that's available to the local community. There is no conflict between those two purposes. Because Christian holiness is not about withdrawal or separation from the world, it's about seeing all of life as holy. All of the world coming under the sovereignty of Christ. The holiness of God does not avoid contact with the world. God's holiness has the power to sanctify the world. So the doors of this church are never there to keep people out. They are there to welcome everybody in. This building was erected for the glory of God. It's been right this morning to pay tribute to those who had the vision for this building. For the people that drove the project. Looking at the faces on the slide, as was said, we recognise the personal cost borne by individuals and families in doing that. And it's been right to, to pay tribute to the people who've sacrificially given money and time and energy to bring us to this point today. We celebrate God's goodness to us and we recognise and acknowledge as well the faithfulness of God's people that's enabled us to be here and celebrate this morning. And yet I want to say that the most important thing about this building, and you can cut my head off later, is that we are here today that we are able to spread throughout the entire building and say together, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Because without a worshipping congregation of God's people, sanctuaries become museums. And all that time and effort and money and energy wasn't given to build a museum. It was given to build a base for operations for the kingdom of God. A place that we can belong together in as the body of Christ. And Jesus is here Yes, this is a building dedicated to his use, but Jesus is here because wherever we gather in his name, he has said he would be in the midst. Paul says in Ephesians, we are the body of Christ. Christ lives in us by his spirit. The church, the people of God, is the fullness of the one who fills the entire universe. We as the church are full of the presence of God who fills all things with his presence. God is fully present here with us by his Spirit.
As flesh and blood human beings, we are the temple of the living God. We are his dwelling place. Our hearts are his throne room. And we worship him by offering our bodies as living sacrifices, laying our lives before him as the altar. That's why we can't dedicate these buildings to God afresh without dedicating ourselves afresh to God as well. Because these buildings are a home for the body of Christ, represented by Brighton Road Baptist Church. This is our home in the sense that this is where we belong as God's people. This is the place we come together as God's family. This is the place where we receive the refreshment and the nourishment we need to face the demands and pressures of living for Jesus in our ordinary everyday lives. This is where some of us fall asleep sometimes, as you do at home. And the advantage of this church layout is I can see who you are. (laughs) This is also the place where we gladly offer hospitality to friends and strangers and neighbours and make them welcome in Jesus' name. And this is also the home from which we go out to live for Christ, as we leave our own homes to do whatever it is we do during the day, during the week, So Sunday by Sunday, this is the place from which we set out to serve Christ during the week. We're not stay-at-home couch potatoes. The church is not like a fridge or a larder full of food which we can visit once a week to stockpile our plates so we can spend our time lazing around and watching TV. No, this is a home where we belong. This is a home where everybody's welcome. But it's also a secure base from which we set out to fulfil God's calling in our lives to achieve his mission. The danger of having church buildings is always that you become inward-looking. We think that this church is the place where it all happens. We think of mission in terms of getting people on the premises, forgetting that there's no reason why people should encounter God just because they walk through our doors. If they receive a personal welcome from us as God's people, if they encounter Christ in us, then that's a different matter. But equally, there's no reason why they shouldn't encounter Christ in us as we meet people outside these buildings in the course of our week. One of the reasons why we come here week by week is we can be reminded that Jesus is the one for whom we live all of life. Not just Sunday mornings, but 24-7. The walls of this church building can never contain the Spirit of Christ because Christ is the one who fills the whole universe. And the Spirit of Christ is always seeking to expand outwards. The heart of Christ's Spirit is to send us out into the world. And if the church is the fullness of the one who fills the universe, the fullness of Christ within us will always be gently but firmly expanding and pushing us outwards. You might think of these buildings partly as the home of the body of Christ, partly as the lungs of the body of Christ. We use our lungs to breathe in and breathe out as often as 20 times a minute. Coming to church is like Christ breathing in and drawing us together, drawing us to himself to fill us with his spirit and then breathing out to send us out from here into the world. So as bearers of his presence, we take the presence of Christ with us wherever we go. So the vision of these buildings does find fruition in resourcing, resourcing the church and resourcing the community through the church as we are ambassadors for Christ. People who meet us might come to understand that we are from Brighton Road Baptist Church. And when they think of Brighton Road Baptist Church, for many people, the first thought will be, oh, that's that new building, isn't it? I'm glad that we have a building that is of sufficiently good quality to bring honour to the name of Christ. And it's right and proper that we have that. Yet realising that we come from that, that building, Brighton Road Baptist Church, is only half the story. Because if we belong to Brighton Road Baptist Church, we also belong to Christ. 
The one who's seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and any title that can be forgiven. And it's on God's heart that when people meet us and say, oh, you're from Brighton Road Baptist Church, aren't you? They will also recognise that, oh, yes, something about you says that you belong to Jesus too. The one in whose name we gather here. The one who's present with us by his spirit. The one to whom these buildings and our lives are dedicated. The one who sends us out to live for him and to serve him. So we come here week by week to remember, to remember who we really are and who we really belong to. We belong to Jesus, who's redeemed us for God and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us God's holy people. We come together to remember who we are, who we belong to, and why we live our lives. Because we live our lives for him. Jesus sends us into all the world, but this is the place from which he sends us. This is the place to which we return Sunday by Sunday. This is the place where we find that we belong together as members of the body of Christ. This is our spiritual home. Feel God's welcome and make others welcome as well. Know that God accepts you and accept others as well. And let God fill you with his spirit while you're here and send you out from this place to live for him, to work for him, and to carry his presence wherever you go in your hearts. You belong to Brighton Road Baptist Church. Fantastic. And it's fantastic because it means that you belong to Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who loved us and gave himself for us. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's close by singing together the blessing. 1964, may the peace of God, our Heavenly Father, and the grace of Christ, His risen Son. This was the song that you sang when you transitioned. This is the song that we sing in celebration of that time, recognizing that God is with us here today. 1964, let's stand.
sharing together in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.